Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On this episode, we're talking about the EAT Education and Training Trust that the CII have launched and how it can benefit you. We're delighted to be speaking to Melissa Collett and Stephen Ross. Melissa, as many of you will know, is an executive director of the CII and represents the CII group of which EAT Charity is a part. Stephen is an independent governance professional and volunteers his time to be a trustee of EAT. Welcome, Stephen and Melissa. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast, Stephen and Melissa. It's great to have you both here. So I know we're going to do a quick update, Melissa, from our podcast that we did a month or two ago now, isn't it, on the incredible things that the CII are doing to support the learning journey of not just the membership base, is it, having had a look this morning. So with that in mind, maybe, Melissa, you can give us a bit of background on what the EATT Learning Fund is, who supports it, and how members can access. Sure, Sarah. I'm happy to do that. And um, we call the EATT Learning Fund, or EAT for short, it's not about food or eating, despite its name. EAT stands for Education and Training Trust, which is a charity within the CII group. So the Education and Training Trust, or EAT, was set up to advance the education and training of people who are working within the sector of insurance and allied occupations, such as financial planning, and also those who want to work in that sector. And in addition, it was set up to help educate the general public about the role of insurance in society. So I can tell you a bit more now about the specific EAT Learning Fund. So in response to COVID, the charity decided it wanted to help those people within the profession who are suffering from financial hardship. in order for them to be able to pursue their studies, training, and gain qualifications during this time, particularly wants to help those who may be redundant on furlough, um, suffering business collapse, or who have a particular concern about their finances at this time due to circumstances surrounding the pandemic. So we really wanted to help those people and that is what the EAT Learning Fund was set up to do. Have you had much uptake on it thus far because we're only a few months in obviously a new launch like something like this? Yes absolutely there has been significant uptake there's been a lot of applications and that's why it was actually set up as a pilot to see whether there would be interest in it. And that interest has, has actually now um, demonstrated that, you know, there could be um, potential to take it further. 
and extend, extend it you know, beyond the current time. That's incredible. I presume, Stephen, you've had some involvement in this as well, given your uh, background in terms of charity and education governance. Yes, that's right, Sarah. I was uh, keen that we uh, found a way to respond to the COVID situation, which has impacted, obviously, everywhere and everyone to a greater or lesser extent. And certainly in all the other charities I work in, either as a professional, as a consultant or as a trustee, I found a way to come up with a response. I think it's probably fair to say that it was a little more challenging in the case of EAT because of the restrictions technically of, um, of the articles and, and finding a way of delivering it, which um, we'll come to in, in a moment. And Melissa can talk about that. But um, I was really delighted with Melissa's support that, that we were able to get the, the board to uh, readily agree to this initiative. And um, as you say, uh, it's only just up and running in effect. And often with new initiatives like this, despite the circumstances we're in, these things do sometimes take a little while to gain traction and um, build a bit of momentum. I think what you're doing is incredible. A lot of the conversations I'm having with my client base at the moment is around the way the world is coming, what is coming in the world, should I say, so a hardening market, all of the consequences of COVID-19 on the economy and the industry as as a whole. And one of the themes that absolutely comes out of almost every conversation I have is this need to do training, self-development, education around your topics. So you are really as clued up as you can be to be able to support your client base. And it's coming out from every single conversation I have. So I think it's really incredible what you guys have done to enable people that might be in a position where they wouldn't otherwise have been able to afford this kind of training. I think it's amazing. So what's the rationale with teaming up with the insurance charities behind this, Melissa? Thanks, Sarah. The insurance charities, for those who are listening, will, it will be well known to anyone working in the insurance sector. It's been around for many, many years, and it has huge experience in helping people who are suffering financial hardship to get back on their feet and to help you know, provide assistance to them in their hour of need. And so with that experience in mind, we thought they, they would, would be the ideal partners for this project because um, not only would they be able to administer this grant that's been made for professional suffering hardship under COVID, but those people who need further assistance beyond the need for professional development and training, perhaps they have you know, specific needs on a personal level, the insurance charities can also help with that. So it's a way to help people not only access training at this time, but to actually you know, provide further access to further funds should they need be there. I think the highlighting the EAT fund and the insurance charity as a whole is quite important because, as I often say, and I know you guys are aware, I have a, a I volunteer for Cambridge CII, so I do their CPD events. But the insurance charities is something we talk about at every council meeting, but I still think there's a lot that could be done to 
promote the insurance charities, what they do, how they do it and the benefits of it to our industry as a whole. So I think it's a really great thing to do. Just slightly different question from something you said earlier, Melissa, that resonated with a conversation I had with Sean last week. She was talking about the Royal Charter for the CII and the importance of working for the benefit of society as a whole, not just the membership. One of the things she said was about de-risking the life journey and promoting that information to society as a whole. And I see a, a very much a link with what you're talking about here. I think that it um, is for the profession, okay, but it's also for the general public in terms of the charities objects in general. This learning fund is for professionals working in the sector. However, it's not just for CII members. It's open to anybody in the sector who has a need for training and professional development and is suffering financial hardship so they can't afford to do it at the moment. So that is something I'd really like to emphasize. In broader terms, you know, my thinking of, you know, why I think it's so important that this fund was set up at this time is that I think the need for training and professional development at this time has never been greater. And, you know, this kind of break, this pause that some of us have experienced is, is sort of the perfect opportunity to reskill. And why is it important for the profession to do that? The ultimate aim is to improve outcomes for customers. So that's the whole purpose of it all. That's the purpose of the CII is to build public trust in the profession so the profession can help the public get better outcomes, you know, get the best advice for their needs to help them protect their assets and the things that are important to them from difficulties like, like the time that we're in. So I see that as all kind of supporting the CII's overall purpose through its charitable arm. Absolutely. Stephen, can you talk to us a bit around why the trustees made the grants? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've covered a bit of it, but um, it's important, I think, to note that uh, EAT for a number of years was moribund for technical reasons. And I was recruited along with a couple of other trustees to um, help get over that situation, which I'm pleased to say we now have. And we've now recruited um, some more trustees. So we have, in effect, a new trustee board, which I think should be noted. And it meant that for a number of years, EAT hadn't actually made any grants. And the business of uh, a grant-making charity is to look after the assets and use them to benefit uh, society and the beneficiaries. So the COVID-19 situation presented an opportunity to cut through all the uh, formalities and processes that, that were embarked on now to operationalise the charity and start making grants because um, the problem came up we had to find a solution quickly. We were able to do that and we were able to make and make a grant, which was fantastic. And it now means in the same way that the COVID crisis has 
accelerated all sorts of things in society from developing vaccines in record time to responding to the financial situation by governments and so on. I think, in a way, the uh, the silver lining for us is going to be this has kick-started the way we do things, and I'm hoping that we'll have a, a, a rapid programme for making further grant-making in the not-too-distant future. On that theme, what are EAT's objectives and plans for the future? Well, it's very much open for discussion. Uh, we've actually got a virtual strategy away day type event booked, which is going to be interesting. I don't think the refreshments are going to be much good handed round, but uh, we'll, we'll all be chipping in. And um, we've just been working on the agenda for it. And um, I would like to, apart from the usual things that you that you do on a day like that, as, as you well know, Sarah, you know, focusing on the future and just deciding where you want to be and all that sort of stuff and vision and things. I want to use uh, a piece of work that's just, just come up in, in my sector from the Association of Charitable Foundations. Um, they've published a new report on the critical importance of strategic thinking and strong governance practices for charitable foundations that want to be ambitious and effective with all their resources. So we'll be looking at that as the basis for our discussions and uh, very much hoping that by the end of that day, we'll um, have agreed a, a process and, uh, and a path for, for taking things forward. Strategic efficiencies is something that I spend 90% of my life doing with clients, so I understand that very, very well. And the concept of a virtual away day, I love. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I'll be very interested. <laughs> We've talked quite a bit around how or what EAT is going to help the profession, but I wonder if there's any more you'd both like to add in direct response to the question, how will this help our profession as a whole? Stephen? Yeah, it's a bit of a sensitive one, really, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think the insurance industry is not covering itself in glory at the moment for reasons that we'll all understand. And I think it's the subject of uh, legal proceedings currently. But in the uh, charity business, the worst thing that can happen to you really is reputational damage because it affects your ability to raise funds as a charity. It affects your integrity. And you've seen several high-profile cases recently. In the insurance business, reputation is equally important. And the extent to which we can help repair or shore up the reputation of the insurance industry by starting to make grants for the benefit of society. And as already been mentioned, the scheme that we're currently doing is not just for CII members, it's open to everyone in the profession. I think will help in a little way to address that situation. Anything you'd like to add, Melissa? I completely um, agree with what you're saying, Stephen, in terms of how it can benefit the reputational boost for the industry? 
I completely um, agree with Stephen's sentiments there. Uh, there is a need to repair trust. And I think that the way the CII sees that um, and sees its role is by providing the um, ability for people to learn, upskill themselves, gain qualifications. So that's why I think this is incredibly important at this time to ensure that people can still continue to do that even in this time of crisis. So I would really urge anybody listening to this who wants to develop, get some further training, perhaps even obtain a qualification in their chosen subject around insurance and financial planning, I'd say contact the insurance charities who is administering this particular scheme and find out more about how they can help you. You know, and it's not just about technical training. It's about skills like communication skills, time management skills, all kinds of soft skills are, are also covered by the scheme as well, along with sort of traditional courses that the CII and other companies offer. So it's very, very open to people's particular circumstances. And, um, you know, I just encourage people to reach out and, and see if they're eligible. I shall make sure the links that you guys have sent me are included in the show notes. And if there's anything else you'd like me to link in with the show notes, then please send it to me. And when this goes out, I would encourage everybody to read the show notes and click on the relevant links if, if interested. Is there anything else you guys like to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's everything. Thanks very much for um, talking with us today and giving us a platform to promote this project, which we're keen to see succeed. Well, thank you very much for your time. I think it's incredible what you're doing and it's really interesting to hear about it. And actually, through my conversations with, with my client base, I'm always talking about the CII. So if, if I see an opportunity to mention this, I certainly will. Thank you. Have thank a lovely you, day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.